Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. You're listening to RNIB Connect Radio. It's the morning mix with me, Jill Barkley. Now I am delighted to be joined by my favourite American lady. It's the lovely Maria Johnson, our very own girl gone blind. Hello, you. Hey, Jill. How are you? I'm good, thanks this morning. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Great, great, great. Thanks for asking. Well, listen, do you know something? I really want to get straight on to talk about our topic today because this is a really, really interesting one. Now, I have to say, Maria, I love your blog post. You didn't write this one, um, but it is a very good blog post and it's worth mentioning. It's from a website called The Mighty. Yes, it's from a website called The Mighty. And this website features stories, experiences from folks who face uh, different uh, illnesses such as mental illness, rare diseases and disabilities. I get the emails and I get, you know, on my Facebook feed and this particular one popped out at me and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I'll take a look at it. And I did. And I just love it. The title, it's a things to remember when it seems that things won't get better. Now, Maria, do you know something? You inspire so many people, including myself, all the time with your blogs. But it's important to remember that, that, you know, you're inspired too to write what you write. And I know that this blog particularly inspired you because, you know, we're always talking about how we feel as blind women. Um, we're always talking in the show about how we're feeling as blind people and the things we do as blind people and the things that we wish were better or great for us. But, you know, this one kind of appeals to people with with pan disabilities or just anybody really that said anything go wrong in their lives you don't have to be disabled to understand this particular blog because you know sometimes in life you do feel that you know when is anything going to change this can happen really to anybody with partial sight full sight or totally blind at any time in their life and and that's why this piece was so applicable and i thought it would be a great thing to share today well it is indeed and one of the points that really really stuck out for me i have to say maria was um you know don't apologize for everything stop apologizing for things now i know i'm really guilty of doing that, Maria, I tend to say, you know, oh, I'm sorry, would you be able to do this for me? Or I'm sorry, but can you just read this for me or such? And, and, you know, sometimes I think, why am I saying sorry? You know, it's not my fault. I'm blind and I can't help the fact that I'm blind. But still, there's something within me sometimes that thinks I need to apologize. And I think it's just an automatic reaction. I think it is too. And in fact, just about a week ago, I was at a conference and the gal I was um, sharing a hotel room with was, you know, of course, helping me with things. And I, I was saying, I'm sorry, can you read this to me? I'm sorry, can you can you find this for me? I'm sorry, can you, you know, whatever it is, just like you. And she finally said to me, you need to stop saying you're sorry. If you say it one more time, I'm not going to do anything for you. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. And I almost apologized for saying I'm sorry. I mean, I was like, <laughs> ridiculous. But she said, I know what I need to do for you. She also has a son who's affected with LHON, like myself, who is blind. So she goes, I know exactly what I need to do for you. And you don't need to apologize. It's not your fault, but it's just what we do for you or whoever it is. And I went, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I had to spend the rest of the whole weekend concentrating on not apologizing. But I, I too have that go back to apologize first, then ask, 
thinking it's going to make it easier or better or something. But yeah, um, I and do you know it as well. The weird thing is, Maria, I'm not actually sorry for asking somebody to read for me. You know, sorry is something you say when you genuinely feel you've done something wrong. And the weird thing is, I don't feel like I've done anything wrong by asking somebody to read something for me. But for some reason, I'll still say, oh, I'm sorry. Could you do this for me, please? I, I, I don't know if I think it's a mannerly thing or whether you're just programmed into thinking that you should be sorry for, for asking I, somebody I, to do something for you. It could be just a habit. When we became blind, we just automatically felt we were imposing on people by asking them to do things for us. So again, our automatic etiquette response would be, I'm sorry, don't mean to bother you, but kind of reaction. So I think that it does start to be a habit and it is a hard habit to shake. But you know, another point that they bring up in this is ask for help. Don't be stubborn. And isn't that one of the things that is so difficult for many of us is to ask for help. We so much want to be that warrior and independent and I can do this all by myself kind of a thing. But the fact is we can't do everything with, uh, by ourselves and we can't be stubborn. Um, that's only going to make things worse sometimes, I think. Very much so. You know, Maria, I know you've been blind for three years now. Uh, I've been blind for 20 and I was trying to be that warrior. I was trying to be the person that was uh, trying to do everything myself. I was a sighted person trapped inside a blind person's body. I was sighted as far as I was concerned, my eyes didn't work. Now that's true to a point, but I think the only way to be able to get on with your life as a blind person or a partially sighted person is to have one foot in blind world and one foot in sighted world. You've got to have one foot in both worlds to be able to go on and live independently. And you shouldn't ever be afraid of asking for help. And it took a long time for me to be able to say, look, can I have some help? Because, you know, I can't see and I can't do this. But, you know, once you start doing that, as long as you're not playing on it, as long as you're not expecting everybody to do everything for you, it's actually really liberating because people want to help. The majority of people actually want to, whether it's their good deed for the day or whether they're just a good person or they're kind or, you know, people want to help. I agree. And by allowing others to help you, you're giving them a gift. I've heard this time and time again. They want to help because it makes them feel good. And if you don't accept their help, you're not allowing them to give that gift to themselves or allowing them to feel good about doing something that's good for somebody else. And somebody said that to me years ago and I went, oh gosh, yeah, that's, that's good. I'm and actually so, doing you a favor. <laughs> I, see, I mean, really, you know, Jill, what, what are you going to do for me today? Um, but it is kind of like that. I'm like, oh, because then I put myself in that position going, you're right. If I really want to help someone and they keep denying it, denying it, denying it, you feel a little sad because you can't help them or they don't want your help. And you're like, why don't they want my help? But that person is denying me. If I'm that person at offering the chance to do something good. And I think that's really important. And uh, going along the lines of being the person that needs help, we also have to remember that we are not a burden. Oh, very, very much so. You know, see when I first started going out with my friends clubbing again after I lost my sight, I swear, I used to go home at night and I'd be running to the loo because I didn't want to ask 
anybody to take me to the ladies because I felt, you know, I'm interrupting their dancing. I'm interrupting them going to the bar. I'd wait until one of the other girls was was going off to the ladies and then I would go. You just don't want to ask for these things because you think... I'm being a burden here. I just don't want to interrupt anybody else's fun. You know, you do have to get yourself into the mindset that, you know what, we are blind. We need to go to the ladies just like all the other ladies do. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask. So, yeah, I I agree. The bottom line is your true friends and family, they love you, they treasure you, and we're not a burden. They wouldn't have it any other way. They want us there and they love us. Speaking of friends and family, one last point that we can um, touch on is finding people out there who understand. And for many of the blind and partially sighted folks out there, it's you know, it's hard to get out of our homes sometimes. One of the ways to find others who understand your situation, no matter what your disability or maybe disease is, is to maybe go online, find Facebook groups, find forums, find chat sites that you can find others uh, that will understand what you're going through because that could be some great online support. Yes, it can be at times. And I think you've got to remember that the the people who love you will understand that you're having a down day or that you might need to go out to the shops. You know, I've had a guide dog for years. I've had three guide dogs. But there's still days in my life where maybe sometimes I'll feel do you know what? I don't feel right about going out myself today. I I don't feel that I want to go out myself today. You know, there's just something comes over you and it's inexplicable. But you've got to understand that not every day is the same. Just like when you had your sight, Maria, or when I had my sight, sometimes you just don't feel like going out or you feel a little intrepidation about going somewhere or whatever. It's the same when you can't see. So um, you really do need to find people that you can talk to. See, when I first lost my sight, Maria, I'd never met anybody that was blind. There was a guy that used to come to my school and give an annual talk. And um, I spoke to him a couple of times and, and I patted his guide dog. Apart from that, I'd never actually physically spoken to anybody that had gone blind. So I actually thought... I was going to live in a home because that's where Mm. I thought blind people went. And it was only through speaking to other blind people that I understood that you can lead a full and perfectly normal life. It just takes a bit of readjustment. Yes, yes, yes. I I couldn't agree with you more. And that is one of the things that I really, really feel saved me in the beginning was finding others who understood what I was going through. One of the very first things I threw out on Facebook in one of the community groups that um, deals with LHON was I needed to talk to another mom. I wanted to talk to somebody who had to deal with children and how did they do it and how'd they get them to school? How, how did you, how could you be a mom? And I threw that out on the Facebook group and immediately I had one of the gals private message me and send me your phone number and says, call me. And I'll never forget that call because it was somebody who totally understood what my fears were, what I was going through. But she also knew how to give me the advice and say, you know, you're going to be able to do it. And this is how I do it. That's exactly what this little bit in the blog post was talking about was putting yourself out there to find others that can support you who understand. And As you said, our family and friends, if they love us, they're going to understand. But you know, Jill, and I know that they're not 
going to understand completely. Unlike, you know, when you and I talk, we understand each other because of our sight loss. But you go ahead and talk to somebody else or a good friend, and I have wonderful, wonderful friends. They just don't get it 100%. Well, this is the thing, Maria. We don't want our friends to fully understand. We don't want our family to fully understand because we they'd have to be in our shoes to fully understand. So that's why we've got to respect the fact that they don't fully understand. But we also need to respect the fact that they can't because they're not in our shoes. So we do need to find the people that will understand us, which is why I am so glad I found you, Maria, because honestly, (laughs) you're such a treasure. You really are. And you're great to talk to. And I love hearing all about your experiences and sharing my experiences with you and our listeners, too. So thank you so much for joining us today. And obviously, you write the most fantastically funny, entertaining, sometimes dark, sometimes very light blog. It is brilliant, but it's all from the heart, Maria. If anybody wants to take a look at your blog, have you got the dress? Absolutely. You can find my blog at girlgoneblind.com. You can also find me on Facebook at Girl Gone Blind and also on Twitter at girl underscore gone underscore blind. Maria, it's such a pleasure to talk to you as it always is. You have a great time over there in sunny California and we shall speak to you here next week on The Morning Mix. Have a good one. Thanks so much, Jill. Talk to you later. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.